first 10 years has gone by so fast. We've accomplished um, pretty much the things that we set out to accomplish. But what do you do now? We're going to go after really planting churches. We're going to go after trying to reach more people than we could reach just having a bigger sanctuary. We're going to try to get more people involved in ministry than ever before. We're going to make the next 10 years, this decade, about spiritual growth. And that's what our hope is and that's what our desire is. kingdom of God is not about a church or a man. It is about a king and a kingdom. And how do we grow his kingdom is what this whole thing has been about. The things that I want to do here, I feel like the Lord is saying, I'm going to let you do them. You were obedient to me, and I'm going to give you back something that you've waited for a long time. I'm super duper excited. The vision that I have and the hope that I have our best days are in front of us, and I'm about to rip it like I never had done before as a pastor. Good morning. Hey, glad that you're here. Uh, on the way in, they hand you the notes, and if you want to grab those, um, we'll jump into it real quick here. You'll need a pen or a pencil, or uh, if you want to use the online U version of the notes to fill it in, that's great too. Um, I just have a couple of quick things that we felt like from the pulpit might be beneficial to you and uh, get the word out a little quicker. We have a couple of uh, open positions here if you're interested. One would be uh, uh, with our building, um, and it's a, a mixed shift type of thing. And the other one would be with child care. Both of them uh, are paid positions, and I know from time to time people in our church uh, call or ask, hey, do you guys have anything? Uh, on our website is a place that talks about uh, open positions. You can fill out an application right there, and we can contact you that way. Or just see one of the pastors right after uh, the service would be over, and we can tell you how to do it that way. But if either one of those uh, would be something you're interested in, or if you know someone who is, would you please let us know? We'd love to uh, use our own people uh, in those things first and foremost before ever going uh, outside. And then the only other thing I have, uh, two quick opportunities. If you're a person who enjoys prayer, and I don't mean just like uh, do you pray, but I mean like community, uh, there, there are two opportunities. Uh, Thursday morning, 6.30, so it's an early one here. A prayer room downstairs, it's a men's prayer um, that uh, you're invited to. If you would enjoy that, you can come and go. 6.30 to 8, but you can come and go anytime uh, during that, you don't have to make uh, every one of them. It's just open if that's something that you might be interested in. And then the other one, we have an all-church prayer that meets uh, 3 o'clock on Saturdays in the prayer room downstairs too. And uh, I know sometimes those things, we assume people know about them, and that's not always the case. So we felt uh, it's so important that we wanted to take a little bit of time up here to let you know. And if you'd be interested, please Consider this your invitation to be a part uh, of those things. Okay, here's what we're doing and what we're, what we're going to um, teach on. It's a short, small series, three weeks. This week 
and the next two. Um, this is, uh, most people know, uh, our, our 20th year. And just with the way the year has gone and all that has happened, we haven't had time to like really plan a celebration. The little bit that we were going to plan, we've launched two churches this year, and we've put our efforts and our energies behind that, feeling like um, maybe we'll wait till the 30th to celebrate. That's the, you know, maybe that's what we'll do at this point. But um, I'm being facetious. The, um, the, the thought was this. When we were planning the celebration, um, we were going to do it for a couple of different weeks and then do kind of a big... Um, a big shebang right at the end of it, and I was going to teach on three things that I know through the years the Lord has used to really solidify our church. It's been like the message of Jubilee, if that makes sense. And so I just thought, um, they've been such helpful messages, things that, that I think if someone said, you know, um, wh what would you say is the personality of the church, or what, what is the church about, or what's the takeaway? I would say within these three messages right here, are a lot of what we believe, what we teach, um, what, we, what we hold to be true, what we're always trying to encourage people with. And so um, this weekend, I'm going to talk about leadership, but not in the idea that you're thinking. When I say leadership, you, you go, hey, I, I came to church, not a uh, uh, help me be better um, conference. So this is not like self-help when I, when I talk about leadership. I'm talking about Jesus as our leader. He, I think Jesus is the most brilliant leader that ever lived on the face of the earth. And sometimes we read the Bible so sanitized that we don't realize how practical it is on a day-to-day -day basis. Jesus is such a dynamic leader. And if you'll read the Bible through the lens of how good Jesus was in dealing with people, how good Jesus was when it came to talking about where we need to go and how we live our lives, I think Jesus did this better than anybody else. I think he taught how to make better decisions and live with fewer regrets if you follow what he says to do. And I, I don't know about you, but that is an aim in my life. Fewer regrets and better decisions, yeah. right? That's a, I'm still working on that, man. That's, a, that's one that's always there. So um, as we look at this today, it's through that lens, but it's, it also is on a double level because I think that good leadership has solidified our church. And I think it's been something that God's been able to use long-term. I mentioned this. This is weird to me. I'm the longest tenured pastor in this area now. That is... I, churches that have been here twice as long as us have had pastoral changes for whatever reason and left me as the old guy. And I find that unbelievable that that, that uh, hey, it, you know, luck played a part or it just worked out. I think Jesus did it and you aim your life that way. There are things that, that, that happen for us. So that's what it's about. Uh, it is a passage. Like I said, we built it on these things. It's a passage I've taught from before, but I'm going to teach it in a way that I bet you haven't, uh, you haven't thought of before. So uh, Luke chapter 8. It is a, um, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's Jesus with the disciples in a boat in a storm. Now, let me just set it up real quickly. This has happened to them at least three times. So the Bible records at least three times the disciples have been invited to a boat ride with Jesus that turns into a storm. Uh, the first time, you'll remember that Jesus uh, asked them to get in the boat and to go to the other side of the lake. He told them that he'll meet them. They end up in a storm. They're freaked out terribly in the storm. And Jesus comes walking on the water. That's probably the most famous one. 
Uh, then there is the one that we're going to talk about right now, where Jesus is with them uh, in the boat, and the storm uh, blows up, and Jesus, his reaction to it is really interesting. And then there's a third one, at least. There may be more. The Bible just doesn't tell us. But there is a third one, again, where the disciples find themselves uh, without Jesus on the boat, and he uh, meets them later on and talks to them about their experience. This one, though, is the one we'll camp on right here. So let me get after it one day. Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So just real quick, man, uh, the most easy thing to see out of what I'm going to teach you right here is that leaders do this one thing, leaders lead, and Jesus is setting a direction, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for what? A nap. A nap. That's interesting. He's just going to rest a little bit while they're going across. Uh, storm. So look at the word. Uh, that's the adjective here, fierce. A fierce storm came down on the lake. By the way, uh, for those that have been to Israel with me, that is one of the experiences that we have is that uh, we rent a boat. We go out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Um, we actually shut the motor off. We talk about the different experiences. One of them is Jesus walking on the water. It is... Uh, I, I, I try to tell people this. You've read that story. If you're a believer, you've heard that story. You have a picture in your mind, but I guarantee you, you don't know it. It's in black and white. Go to Israel with me, and it will be in HD, living color, imprinted on your... You can't... To smell it, to see it, to experience it, changes the paradigm of just reading it. It makes it special. I'm just trying to paint a picture in your head. We'll be there in just a few weeks, and for those that are going... That, that's one of the things you will really, really enjoy. Uh, soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. They can just come up so quickly. Uh, the boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. And I think that that's put there. The Bible is a carefully edited text. Uh, it doesn't waste time. There would be t the Bible says if just the works of Jesus were recorded, the earth can't contain the volumes. That's hyperbole. I get it. But the point is that there are so many things. The Bible's been carefully edited so that we're able to even read it, pick it up. Do you, you get that? So when it makes a statement like they're in real danger, it's taken the time to carve out. This is not like small turbulence. This is not like, you know, maybe. This is like... These are guys who are professional fishermen, and if they feel in danger on a boat, there's real danger. Does that, does that make sense? So, so uh, the, the boat was filling with water. They were in real danger. The disciples went and woke uh, him, Jesus, up by shouting. Don't you love to be woken up that way, right? That's a wonderful way to be woken up. Master, master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't respond to their question. He doesn't let their urgency become his emergency. Uh, he doesn't make fun of them. He just simply stands up and addresses the issue. Again, what a leader does. He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. I wonder if it was just suddenly, boom, and that's it. Then he asked them this question. Again, here's what a leader does. A leader tells the truth. He asked them this question. Where is your faith? He doesn't berate them. He doesn't make fun of them. He's not speaking down to them. He's not putting them in a position where they feel embarrassed or they feel like, uh, oh, he's, he's hard with us or harsh. He's trying to remind them who they are. Guys, how about this right here? Since we know they've been through this at least one other time, the first time Jesus invites you to a boat party, you're excited. Right? 
uh, a regatta. You're going to the regatta. And it's, you know, you put on your captain hat or whatever, and off you go. And a storm blows up. And so you chalk it down to the idea, well, maybe it's an accident. But then when he invites you for a second time, and you end up in a storm, now you're thinking, hmm, bad timing? He seems to be able to control the weather. I mean, what's up with that? Third time. Do you think they might have thought, I don't want to go on the boat with you anymore. <laughs> now, that's funny, but here's the truth. Because from this story, this is what's really interesting. There's no hesitation on their part to get in the boat with him again. Right. Knowing that this could happen, here's what I think. They've seen the miraculous in the storm, so they're probably willing to risk a storm to see the miraculous again in their lives. Could write a book about that. So he asked them this question, where's your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Love that. In your relationship, have you ever felt both extremes? I'm terrified and I'm amazed at the same time. I feel that with my wife often, yeah. terrified and amazed. <laughs> Don't take that. Come on. Get your minds up. She's amazing and way above me. Where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed at the exact same time. Here's the question. Who is this man? They know the answer. They know who he is. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. What a leader. What a leader. We read the Bible so sanctified and we read it in terms of just, you know, this is God and God can do anything. Uh, he was all God, but he was all man. This is the mystery of divinity and this is what makes this story more than just, hey, look at what God can do. This is what a man in perfect relationship with his father can do. He's a man under authority, so he knows how to operate in authority. Just great truth in so much of this, this story. All right, um, so here's, here's the fill in the blanks. Um, you can do that, or if you just want to listen, that's fine too. I, I'm going to divide it into two, two categories, a leader's job and then a disciple's job, because both are important, and at times in your life, you're going to play both roles. There's, you're, you lead something. There's something that you have authority over. It, it might not be as great as another person or a, another challenge in life, but wh whatever, you have something that you lead in your life, even if it's yourself. Oftentimes we think to ourselves, I, I wish I was leading other things. Here's a secret that I've learned. Until you lead yourself, it's difficult to lead other people. Is that not true? Leading yourself, that is a, a test for leadership is the ability to lead yourself first. Very difficult to tell somebody else, here's the way, if you can't do it. So a leader's job, these three things. One, a leader must lead. That's oversimplified. I, I tried to make it as portable as, as I possibly could. But a leader's job is simply that they must lead. And in verse 22, the, the most strategic thing that Jesus does is just simply say out loud, here's what we need to do. Uh, Jesus to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. It's not leadership to say, hey, what do you guys want to do? What do you think? 
Let's take a vote about going to the other side. Leaders do one thing, they lead. And when a leader leads well, you don't even know what's happening. That's what makes it really good. So let me get personal here for a second. Um, you know, right now, I think, boy, please, at the risk of being misunderstood with what I'm about to say, please don't go, God, that's an arrogant statement. I don't mean it that way, just, just in light of, of this right here. Uh, you know, 2018 for us has been a tremendous test. With the, with the loss of a, of a staff member, uh, two of them, one through death and, and one my own son-in-law, um, planting churches with people that have walked with me from the very beginning of our church. And here's the most significant thing. You know, at times when, when you're trying to uh, undo things so that, so that this can go this direction and this can go this direction, they're going the same place, but they become two separate. You realize most of the time this is where the devil does his best work in destroying relationships, right? Yes. Do, do you understand what I'm saying right there? And for us to be able to do what we've done in the last year and keep all the relationships intact... First of all, it says this, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. And that's why he's the leader above everything else. But man, when you follow him and you listen, here's what a, a good leader can do this. Lead through a storm and people don't even realize this is a storm. So I don't mean that a double entendre, like ooh, there's what kind of mysterious thing. I'm just saying simply that it's one of those things that could if the enemy had his way, it could blow up horribly. But when you follow God, he makes things possible in difficult circumstances so that everybody can win. Does that make sense? A leader must lead. That's what leaders do. Let me, the second one real quick. A leader ultimately has to demonstrate peace. In all situations. Uh, 23 and 24. I think this is interesting. Uh, so they sail across the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus settles down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down. Like, but um, maybe here's the best way. So Jesus said, um, "I don't do anything, and I don't say anything unless I first seen the Father do it and heard the Father say it." All right. So th this means to us that He is on purpose in everything that He does. Jesus is not random accidental. He's just not, oh, that, that, well, let's do this. He, taking a nap is on purpose. He may have been tired, but there's a lesson in it. He's trying to demonstrate to the disciples any storm, look at me real quick, any storm you can sleep in, you own the storm and the storm doesn't own you. Because the first thing that's challenged in a person's life in a storm is your sleep, yes or no? How'd you sleep last night? How are you sleeping right now? <laughs> Some of you look quite comfortable as I'm looking out there. <laughs> I tell you to wake them up, but you'd be like, you put them to sleep, you wake them up. So uh, a leader has to learn how to demonstrate peace. And I think the greatest lesson and the thing that Jesus is trying to teach is that any storm you're able to sleep in, you own the storm, and the storm doesn't own you. And let me just finish reading that, uh, that scripture. Pull that back for me, if you will. So they sailed across. Jesus settled down for a nap. 
A fierce storm uh, came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they're in real danger. Uh, the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly, the storm, storm stopped, and all was calm. Again, the message you could get in this is, look how awesome God is. But Jesus' demonstration with the disciples was always trying to get them to understand they can do what he does. He was not here to display, you guys sit back and watch this. He was here to say that the kingdom of God has now come to the earth. That was the message. The kingdom of God is now upon you. When the storm comes, our first response should be always call on the name of Jesus, but then act like Jesus. A disciple acts like the one that they follow. Your great joy in the storm is not to succumb or freak out in the storm, but is to speak to the wind and the waves. Peace be still, because the one who created you is here. Maybe this is the most important thing. If you're going to go through a storm, it's really good to know who's in the boat with you. You don't want to end up in it by yourself. You want to know he's with you. So a leader demonstrates peace. That, the significance of the leader having God's peace is everything in every situation. It's everything in a church. It's everything in a family. It's everything in a business. It's everything in government. Let me try that over. It's everything in government for leaders to demonstrate peace, the peace of God. How do, can you draw an equation that when the peace is not there, that it affects everybody? Unless yes. 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 you think, like, are you trying to make a political statement? Yes, but not the one you think. I'm trying to say the leader's responsibility is to lead people effectively and righteously. Bringing peace, man. How, what's peace worth? I don't mean fake peace or temporal. What's real? What would you pay for peace in your life? Now, if you have it, you don't know the value of it. But if you've been a person who's ever gone through something where your peace was taken, what would you pay to get it back? If the price of peace is humility, I bet you'd pay it. Another message, and I can see the effectiveness of it. So let's move to uh, three. Maybe the most important thing that a leader does in any situation is to tell the truth. This is what the Bible says. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you. Truth. Pilate says to Jesus, what is truth? Jesus doesn't end up in an argument with Pilate. He simply demonstrates with his life, this is what the truth is. Truth, um, the Bible says that a nation guarded by truth rises up. Truth, man, how important is, is truth? Jesus, in dealing with the disciples, he was merciful, he was kind. He, he was always, always and forever demonstrating his love. But he could be a person who could tell the truth with love. 
What a significant gift that is. Are you, are you with me on this? Right? So, all right. uh, so he asked them, here's telling the truth. Where's your faith? He doesn't get mad at them. Guys, how many times? I've had it. I'm pulling this boat over. I'm going to turn it around. Oh, have fun. Come on. Life is too short to be that serious. Come on. So he, he has a way. There must have been something in the way he could probably look at someone too. Because when you, when you are in truth, your ability to look somebody in the eyes and love them while telling the truth is powerful. Where's your faith, man? Come on, we've been through this. Remember when the kid had just a few pieces of bread and a couple of fish? Do you remember what happened? Well, tell me what happened. Well, we fed 5,000 people. No, you fed 5,000 people. Remember, it was in your hands when it multiplied. You remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. So we laugh at that and we think, you know, we think to ourselves, if we just saw those kind of miracles today, oh, it would change the world. The disciples are a perfect reflection of all humanity. They lived with the miraculous, with Jesus raising the dead, opening blind eyes, deaf ears. Jesus messed up every funeral he went to. He, 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 think about it. He was not a good guest at a funeral. Like, sorry, uh, we're going to turn it into a party instead. They are forever without excuse for not believing in the miraculous. And with every storm, how easy they let their faith go and got their eyes on the storm. And them's us. And us is them. And let's just be real and be honest here for a moment. Maybe the preacher is the one that fillets his heart. But we're all in the same boat. Peter walking on water, real quickly, what's that about? What's, what's, why is that in there for this? Again, they're caught in a storm, in a boat. Jesus, you know, a miracle is to do what nature doesn't allow by law. So Jesus walks out to them. The Bible says they're terrified and they shriek. That is not manly in any... <laughs> These are rough, tough Men, and they think it's a ghost. That's what the Bible says, and they shriek. <laughs> and Jesus, fear not, it is I. And then Peter, with great boldness, if it really is you, let me come to you. And Jesus, something in Jesus must have been really excited. Come on, big boy. <laughs> Get out, let's go. And he gets out, and the only other human that we know that walked on water was Peter for a few steps. And if you know the story, tell me real quick. He gets his eyes off of Jesus and on to, and what happened to Peter? Didn't drown, but he sank, and Jesus reached out, grabbed his hand. Jesus' question to Peter is, why did you doubt? Where's your faith? And hymns us because in a storm... God could have just moments ago done something miraculous for you, but in a storm, the temptation is to remove your eyes from the one who's over the storm onto the urgency of the storm. And as soon as you do, you are now subject to all the laws of nature again. 
You following me? So that you can love God with all of your heart. Your passport is stamped heaven. When you die, it's done by the work of Jesus. But you can live on this earth always missing abundant life because a storm is what you pay attention to and not to Jesus. The greatest benefit, though, is that God, every time it happens, he never expresses anger. He never slaps at them or smacks at them or, guys, I, I got to find new friends. He's never, <laughs> he's always in forever. That statement, where's your faith? It's not meant to push them down. It's meant to lift them up. Where's your faith? God responds to our faith, not to our need. Come over here. I'm going to talk to you. Just listen to me, okay? Don't get mad. Listen. If God responded to need, nobody on the earth would ever starve. He responds to faith. Our need moves his heart. When the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt, the Bible says God heard their cry, not their faith, their cry. But they were stuck in that position for 430 years. The moment they moved out in faith, everything changed. It is your faith that gets God's attention. It's when you look at him and go, I don't care what anything else says. I'm listening to you. I'm looking at you. I believe in you. Does that, that's that, where's your, he's trying to, jar, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Think about this. Where's your faith? What do you know? Who are you? Where are we going? Where's your faith? That question, the answer to that question is everything. A leader tells the truth. Truth can be told in love. A disciple's job. A disciple's job. Uh, just real quick. A disciple's job is this. Trust a good leader. Now, you might be going, Pastor, that, uh, is that self-serving? Are you saying that? Yes and no. Hmm. Um, a disciple's job is to trust a good leader. If you find a good leader, good leaders, really good leaders, I think they're rare. I don't think they're a dime a dozen. I, 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 this is not self-serving. I'm, I'm trying to get you someplace with this. So just give me a little leeway right here, right? Don't, don't, don't pull back on me. Trust a good leader. That's a disciple's job. When you find a good leader, trust a good leader. What God wants from us is trust and faith. Those two things are, man, they are symbiotic. They are hand in hand. He wants us to trust him, to believe him. If he says it, he doesn't want us to doubt him. He wants us to say, I trust you. I believe you. Therefore, I'll do what you say. If you ever prayed this prayer, God, I want you to fill in the blank. Generally, the way God answers your prayer is to give you an instruction. He's looking for faith and obedience. I talked to a person last night who told me I was praying forever. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, I want to hear your voice. I've got to make a really important decision. This, this lady is a huge decision worth, worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a, it's a major decision. God, I need you to speak to me. God, I don't want to make a mistake. So, you know, sometimes our prayers are not faith prayers. They're really, I don't want to make a mistake. I get that, but that's not faith, really. That's like, God, I'm going to make a mistake. 
I don't want to make, I, I get it. And this is all she hears from God. I want you to read the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> yes, yes, you felt that. It's like, can anything good come out of Deuteronomy? Like, uh, I know this is weird. By the way, don't sit like, oh, that's what I need to do. I need to go home and read Deuteronomy. This is what God said to her. This went on for three months. And she was reading Hebrews, James, all of the Gospels, hanging out in the New Testament. Amen. Get it. Much more exciting. But the Lord said, read Exodus. So she finally opens the Bible to Exodus. And Exodus begins with Moses's. I want you to go, and you're my spokesman. And as soon as she read it, she heard the Lord say, all I wanted was for you to be obedient to me and realize, you're my spokesman. Go. And he blessed her hundreds of thousands of dollars, according to this. It was incredible. And she said it all hung up on this small little instruction that I kept praying, God, tell me what to do. Read Exodus. Okay, I'm going to read Hebrews. God, tell me what to do. Read Exodus. Okay, I'm going to spend the day fasting. God, I need you to help me out. Read Exodus. Okay, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to ask people for a word. This is all good stuff. Am I just rabbit trailing on you right now? I, I, trust a leader. If you find a good one and there's instruction in the voice of the Lord, tr trust a leader. You know, the problem with, um, with what can happen to us is that, uh, <laughs> man, I grew up a Catholic kid. This is not a bash, but it is the truth. Um, what the Catholic Church, not owning what these priests have done to these boys is shameful. And if you feel the need now to email me, don't. Resist the need. Okay? And I'm not saying it's just a Catholic church issue. Certainly. Certainly. <laughs> it's everywhere. My point simply is that when people are put in esteemable positions, especially the level of leadership pastorally, and that gets messed up, it jades the way people see all leaders all of a sudden. And so then a leader gets up and says, follow a good leader. And says, how do we even know? Isn't that the truth? Yes. Well, I regret some of the things we see today. Uh, the second one just, um, man, this message has gone in a different direction. <laughs> it's completely different than last night, isn't it? I mean... You couldn't believe how different. A disciple's job is to prepare for a few storms. Can I have five more minutes with you? Am I, I think it'll be worth your time. Um, just prepare for a few storms. I grew up in South Louisiana. You know, hurricanes were not a, um, <laughs> they're inevitable at some point. You may go years without one, but you live in a place that's going to get a hurricane. So here's what you did. 
you had a little hurricane kit in the trunk of your car in your garage someplace, and it usually contained things like fresh water, uh, a radio with batteries, um, s some food, j just in case, right? You prepare. And so it didn't mean that you wanted a storm. It didn't mean that you're like, hey, I hope we get a storm. There was nothing like that. But it was inevitable that in that place, from time to time, you get big storms. Okay, real quick, Jesus said this to us about storms. In this world, you will have trouble. But fear not, I've overcome the world. Here's what he's saying. Prepare for a little bit of trouble, but the trouble doesn't have to devastate you. It doesn't have to knock you down. It doesn't have to take you out. It doesn't have to define your future, your past, or what you're going to do with your life. Amen. Prepare for it. A, a disciple's job is to prepare for a few storms. Look, there are at least three that we know about with the disciples, but I, I just did this. I did it real quick. It's not exhaustive. It's not completely in-depth, but just, just my knowledge of the Bible real quickly from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. Any book in the Bible that tells a story about any friend of God. Listen to this. Any book of the Bible that tells a story about any friend of God, that friend of God went through a storm in their life. Adam and Eve. Noah. Moses. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Daniel, Ezekiel, Jonah, Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul. Every one of them, when it talks about the miraculous things that took place in their life and their love for God and their heart for him, it also includes a story about some storm that they went through, some lion they had to face down, some maniac king that wouldn't leave them alone, some flood. Yay, nay. So my point simply is, it's all the way through the Bible. Is it possible that God loves you so much, he could lead you into a storm in order to do the miraculous and make you where you're no longer afraid of storms? I don't know if you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say right there. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So many believers are so filled with fear and their prayers are, God, keep me from, God, protect me. I, I, of course. Look, something's wrong with you if you're like, I want a storm. Something's wrong with you. You never need to pray for one, by the way. You don't need to do that. But you don't have to be afraid and devastated by them either. You don't have to be in a position where your stomach hurts and your mind is completely clogged and you can't move and you're paralyzed with anxiety. Jesus said, fear not, I've overcome all those things and so can you. Amen. That's good news, man. And here's the last one and here's the one to remember. This is the one that matters more than anything else. It's the question that Jesus asked. A disciple's job more than anything else. Keep your faith. Because it is easy. Okay, pastor's heart open. Here's my mistake. Here's my, this is what I always struggle with. As soon as I go into a storm, I so easily cast my confidence down. I begin to talk about how bad the storm is. I begin to talk about what could happen if God doesn't come through. What do you think will happen if God doesn't come through? Give me one word. What's going to happen? Bad. There's a word. Bad. Wow. So get up every morning and tell Woo, bad stuff. <sighs> bad. And pretty soon, 
That's how you read the Bible. Everything's bad. And everything you talk... You ever met a person who got stuck in bad and that's all they talk about for the rest of their life? You could go away on a vacation for 20 years. You come back within five minutes. Hey, how are you? Remember that problem I had? You're laughing because you know that person. And if you're not laughing... If you're like, I don't know anybody like that. We do. <laughs> so, all right. So let me... Uh, Hebrews 10.35. It's not in your notes. It's in my notes. Um, you know, when I study, normally I use the New Living Translation or the NIV. And that's, uh, <clears throat> that's my go-to when I, when I teach. Excuse me. But um, I'm always looking at different... Uh, translations because sometimes they'll, they'll add a word in modern vernacular that really brings a fullness or a roundness to it. Hebrews 10.35, we're talking about keep your faith. Don't lose your confidence. Don't, don't let it slip. So here, here's what the Bible teaches, uh, Hebrews 10.35 out of the NIV. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. The, the idea there is like wadding up garbage. Like something that you consider so valuable, but then the storm, you wad it up and you throw it away. And all you're left with is a storm. You've thrown away your confidence. Uh, it reads this way out of the NLT. Do not throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it will bring you if you don't let it go. The NASB, therefore, do not let it slip out of your hand. It has a great Reward. The King James, here's fancy English, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. <laughs> Contemporary English version, keep on being brave. <laughs> keep on being brave, it will bring you great rewards. Good news translations. Do not lose your courage then because it brings a great reward. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't lose your confidence. The whole point here is that the thing we're tempted to do in the middle of a storm is to let go of our confidence. That's the question that Jesus asked. Where's your faith? That's what he's saying. Where's your confidence right now? Who or what is it in? And what do you believe to be true? And the answer to that question is everything to you. It is your life or your death. It is your joy or your sorrow. It is your peace or it is your turmoil, man. What do you believe? Not what do I believe. What does everybody around you believe? What do you believe? And that's why Jesus personalizes, where's your faith? And it's not talking down and it's not... It is, wake up. Don't you remember who you are? Don't you remember who I am? Don't you know what we can do? Yes, I do. Go get them. <laughs> I got to finish. Hebrews 13, 17. Listen to this. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority. Because they keep watch over you, your soul, as those who must give an account to the Father. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Now, when this was written, 
Paul wrote it so that um, disciples in churches understood the role of a pastor in their life. And he's to cooperate with them. Man, don't make their job difficult. They're trying to help you. But let's remove that thought for a moment and think of it this way. If our leader ultimately is Jesus and we're his disciples, then let's filter this scripture with the idea that it's talking about Jesus. So let me read it this way. Have confidence in Jesus and submit to his authority because he keeps watch over you and your soul as one who's going to answer to God. Do this so that his work will be a joy and not a burden for it will not benefit you if you make it hard for Jesus to work in your life. Ooh. You don't want it to be hard. You want it to be so easy. You want it to be... You know what? I, I just... I'll end it. I, I'm... Uh, come on, scatterbrain. Um, you're going to go through it one way or the other. So let's... Here's the... How do we want to come through on the other side? Right now, you, he's going to get you to the other side. But are you just going to be like, <sighs> are you going to come through like, ain't no mountain high enough, no valley low enough, no river wide enough? I was going to be a singer in my other life. But the singing leeches just doesn't. <laughs> Would you buy that album? <laughs> the singing leeches, gospel hits. <laughs> All right, Father. <clears throat> Thank you for being so, so good to us. You are the perfect leader. And so often, God, um, we forget how practical your word to us is. It's life and it's health and it's healing and it's joyful. It's corrective. It's truth. Sometimes it stings. Sometimes it sets free. It's always for our good. And you always demonstrate your heart for us in it. And so, Lord Jesus, right now, just... Um, we want it to be really easy for you to work in our lives. Folks, I hope I'm praying your prayer. Don't, don't let your mind wander for a couple minutes here. Focus in on what I'm saying because I'm trying to pray our prayer to the Father. We want it to be really easy for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We want to hear your voice and your instruction really quick, and we want to be quick to be obedient. We want to be people who no longer talk about, Father, how oh, that storm was just so terrible. We want to begin to be people who talk about, look what God did for me coming through that storm. Look at the miracles I saw. Look at the faithfulness of my God. We want to be people who are not walking in fear and trembling, but walking in faith and substance. Lord, I know we're all at different places in this room. Some of us are dealing with things that are um, 
They're shattering. And this word is perfectly applicable to that person. And some of us are having the best days of our lives. And this word is perfectly applicable to that person. God, all together, we're in the same place. We need you. We're desperate and we need you. We need your life and we need your mercy. We need your joy. God, we don't want to be consumed with this world and the things of this world. If all we do is eat from the trough of this world, we'll be like the world. We'll reflect the darkness of this world. But you invite us to a banquet table that you preside over. And the meal is made up of joy and peace, righteousness, goodness and mercy, self-control, gentleness, all the things you invite us to be partakers of with you. What a banquet that is. God, I'm tired of spending my time eating from the other place. I want to eat with you. I want to feast with you. I want to overcome this world. I want to be the man you've called me to be. I want that to be true in every way in my life. And where it's not true, God, change me. Help me. Thank you for being merciful to me. I don't want to walk out of here the way I walked in here. I want to be more like Jesus than ever before. I want to believe in the supernatural, not for the sake of the supernatural, but because I believe in the God of the supernatural. We love you. You are our leader. And thank you for inviting us to be a part of what you're doing. We say yes. Church, yes. 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 Yes, yes God. Yes. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. So listen, I took a little more liberty than I um, would have liked to. The worship team has a really incredible song that ties in perfectly with this message. And I think it's to your benefit to hear it. So rather than when I walk off the platform, that being the signal for you to go, wait. Listen to this song for a moment. <clears throat> Cooperate with me. Because this is something good for your soul. I'm not being facetious. I'm, it's good for your soul right now. And as soon as Jay and Donnie are done, Jay will dismiss you and let you know. <laughs>